Hello and welcome to Reading with Carrie, a mindfulness podcast series that can be used as a sleep aid or to ease your anxiety and relieve your stress. I am your host, Carrie Favel, and I am so thankful that you've decided to spend some time with me. So I wanted to add this bonus because I often hear about Snow White and Rose Red when I look up the original story of Snow White. So if you were here on Wednesday, you heard the story of Snow White, and I wanted to share with you the story of Snow White and Rose Red. It's quite different, actually. Spoilers, Snow White does end up marrying a prince. But aside from that, and a few other elements like the presence of a dwarf, it's really not the same story. So before we begin, as always, let's start with a brief breathing exercise. This exercise is a mindful emotional state of happiness. So first, we're going to focus on our breathing. And without changing it, let it naturally, organically come. Nice deep breathing in. But don't force it. Deep breathing out. We're just trying to get our relaxation kind of flowing. Now put your feet on the ground or whatever surface you're resting on and gently push onto the floor or onto the bedding. Press and notice the sensations on the bottoms of your feet touching the surface. Just be in the moment. If you're pushing, you might even begin feeling a pulse in your toes or your feet. Deep breathing in. Hold it for a moment and exhale out. Deep breath in. Deep breath. And now, while you're still kind of focusing on your breathing, consider where happiness comes from for you. Does happiness come from your heart? Or your mind? Or maybe your belly? Where does it come from for you? Discover where the idea of happiness comes from and focus on that area. Whatever happiness means to you, Maybe a smile or an energy that runs through your body. Or maybe happiness is relaxing the muscles in your shoulders. Expand now wider and wider and let the feeling of the happiness flow through your body. Just feel more and more happy. Maybe wiggle your body. Maybe tense a muscle and then relax it. You'll tense on an inhale, hold the tension, and relax the tension as you exhale. And you can move through your whole body that way, especially if you're feeling tension somewhere specific, like your shoulders. Just feel more and more happy. And allow yourself only to focus on this and be happy. 
Remember what this feeling of happiness feels like. You can have this feeling of happiness whenever you choose, just by being in this moment. This feeling of happiness can take over your mind and your body and your soul and your whole spirit. Really feel the happiness, the contentment, the relaxation. Now slowly open your eyes and just be in the moment of happiness. Just be. Just be. And as always, I like to indulge in a nice, happy sigh. Let's slowly take a nice deep inhale. And sigh. Congratulations, you finished this exercise. And now, here's the story. Snow White and Red Rose, a fairy tale by the Brothers Grimm. A poor widow once lived in a little cottage. In front of the cottage was a garden, in which were growing two rose trees. One of these bore white roses, and the other red. She had two children who resembled the rose trees. One was called Snow White, and the other Rose Red. And they were as religious and loving, busy and untiring, as any two children ever were. Snow White was more gentle and quieter than her sister, who liked better skipping about the fields, seeking flowers, and catching summer birds, while Snow White stayed at home with her mother, either helping her in her work or, when that was done, reading aloud. The two had the greatest affection the one for the other. They were always seen hand in hand, and should Snow White say to her sister, We will never separate, the other would reply, Not while we live. The mother adding, That which one has, let her always share with the other. They constantly ran together in the woods, collecting ripe berries, but not a single animal would have injured them. Quite the reverse, they all felt the greatest esteem for the young creatures. The hare came to eat parsley from their hands, the deer grazed by their side, the stag bounded past them unheeding. The birds, likewise, did not stir from the bough, but sang in entire security. No mischance befell them. If benighted in the woods, they lay down on the moss to repose, and sleep till the morning, and their mother was satisfied as to their safety, and felt no fear about them. Once, when they had spent the night in the wood, and the bright sunrise awoke them, they saw a beautiful child, in a snow-white robe, shining like diamonds, sitting close to the spot where they had reposed. She arose when they opened their eyes, and looked kindly at them, but said no word, and passed from their sight into the wood. When the children looked around, they saw they had been sleeping on the edge of a precipice, and would surely have fallen over if they had gone forward two more steps further into the darkness. Their mother said the beautiful child must have been the angel who keeps watch over good children. Snow White and Rose Red kept their mother's cottage so clean that it gave pleasure only to look in. In summertime, Rose Red attended to the house, and every morning before her mother awoke, placed by her bed a bouquet, which had in it a rose from each of the rose trees. In wintertime, Snow White set light to the fire, and put on the kettle, after polishing it until it was like gold for brightness. In the evening, when snow was falling, her mother would bid her bolt the door, and then, sitting by the hearth, the good widow would read aloud to them from a big book while the little girls were spinning. Close by them lay a lamb, and a white pigeon, with its head tucked under its wing, was on a perch behind. 
One evening, as they were all sitting cozily together like this, there was a knock at the door, as if someone wished to come in. Make haste, Rose Red, said her mother. Open the door. It is surely some traveler seeking shelter. Rose Red accordingly pulled back the bolt, expecting to see some poor man. But it was nothing of the kind. It was a bear that thrust his big black head in at the open door. Rose Red cried out and sprang back. The lamb bleated. The dove fluttered her wings. And Snow White hid herself behind her mother's bed. The bear began speaking and said, Do not be afraid. I will not do you any harm. I am half frozen and would like to warm myself a little at your fire. Poor bear, the mother replied. Come in and lie by the fire. Only be careful that your hair is not burnt. Then she called Snow White and Rose Red, telling them that the bear was kind and would not harm them. They came as she bade them, and presently the lamb and the dove drew near also without fear. Children, begged the bear, knock some of the snow off my coat. So they brought the broom and brushed the bear's coat quite clean. After that, he stretched himself out in front of the fire and pleased himself by growling a little, only to show that he was happy and comfortable. Before long, they were all quite good friends, and the children began to play with their unlooked-for visitor, pulling his thick fur, or placing their feet on his back, or rolling him over and over. Then they took a slender hazel twig, using it upon his thick coat, and they laughed when he growled. The bear permitted them to amuse themselves in this way, only occasionally calling out when it went a little too far. Children, spare me an inch of life. When it was night and all were making ready to go to bed, the widow told the bear, You may stay here and lie by the hearth if you like, so that you will be sheltered from the cold and from the bad weather. The offer was accepted, but when morning came as the day broke in the east, the two children let him out, and over the snow he went back into the wood. After this, every evening at the same time, the bear came, lay by the fire, and allowed the children to play with him. So they became quite fond of their curious playmate, and the door was not ever bolted in the evening until he had appeared. When springtime came and all around began to look green and bright, one morning the bear said to Snow White, Now I must leave you, and all the summer long I shall not be able to come back. Where then are you going, dear bear? asked Snow White. I have to go to the woods to protect my treasure from the bad dwarfs. In wintertime, when the earth is frozen hard, they must remain underground and cannot make their way through. But now that the sunshine has thawed the earth, they can come to the surface, and whatever gets into their hands or is brought to their caves seldom, if ever, again sees daylight. Snow White was very sad when she said goodbye to the good-natured beast and unfastened the door that he might go. But in going out, he was caught by a a hook in the lintel, and a scrap of his fur being torn, Snow White thought that there was something shining like gold through the rent. But he went out so quickly that she could not feel certain what it was, and soon he was hidden among the trees. One day the mother sent her children into the wood to pick up sticks. They found a big tree lying on the ground. It had been felled, and toward the roots they noticed something skipping and springing, which they could not make out, as it was sometimes hidden in the grasses. As they came nearer, they could see it was a dwarf, with a shriveled up face, and a snow-white beard and L long. The beard was fixed in a gash in the tree trunk, and the tiny fellow was hopping to and fro like a dog at the end of a string, but he could not manage to free himself. He stared at the children with his red, fiery eyes and called out, Why are you standing there? Can't you come and try to help me? 
What are you doing, little fellow? inquired Rose Red. Stupid inquisitive goose, replied the dwarf. I meant to spit the trunk so that I could chop it up for chicken sticks. Big logs would burn up the small quantity of food we cook, for people like us do not consume great heaps of food, as you heavy greedy folk do. The bill hook I had driven in, and soon I should have done what I required. But the tool suddenly sprang from the cleft, which so quickly shut up again that it caught my handsome white beard. And here I must stop, for I cannot set myself free. You stupid pale-faced creatures, you laugh, do you? In spite of the dwarf's bad temper, the girls took all possible pains to release the little man, but without avail. The beard could not be moved. It was wedged too tightly. I will run and get someone else, said Rose Red. Idiot, cried the dwarf. Who would go and get more people? Already there are two too many. Can't you think of something better? Don't be so impatient, said Snow White. I will try to think. She clapped her hands as if she had discovered a remedy, took out her scissors, and in a moment set the dwarf free by cutting off the end of his beard. Immediately the dwarf felt that he was free. He seized a sack full of gold that was hidden amongst the tree roots, and lifting it up, grumbled out, Clumsy creatures, to cut off a bit of my beautiful beard, of which I am so proud. I leave the cuckoos to pay you for what you did. Saying this, he swung the sack across his shoulder and went off, without even casting a glance at the children. Not long afterwards, the two sisters went to angle in the brook, meaning to catch fish for dinner. As they were drawing near the water, they perceived something, looking like a large grasshopper, springing toward the stream as if it were going in. They hurried up to see what it might be, and found that it was the dwarf. What are you doing? said Rose Red. Surely you will not jump into the water. I'm not such a simpleton as that, yelled the little man. Don't you see that a wretch of a fish is pulling me in? The dwarf had been sitting angling from the side of the stream when, by ill luck, the wind had entangled his beard in his line, and just afterwards a big fish taking the bait, the unamiable little fellow had not sufficient strength to pull it out, so the fish had the advantage, and was dragging the dwarf after it. Certainly he caught every stalk and spray near him, but that did not assist him greatly. He was forced to follow all the twistings of the fish, and was perpetually in danger of being drawn into the brook. The girls arrived just in time. They caught hold of him firmly and endeavored to untwist his beard from the line, but in vain. They were too tightly entangled. There was nothing left but again to make use of the scissors. So they were taken out, and the tangled portion was cut off. When the dwarf noticed what they were about, he exclaimed in a great rage, Is this how you damage my beard? Not content with making it shorter before, you are now making it still smaller and completely spoiling it. I shall not ever dare show my face to my friends. I wish you had missed your way before you took this road. Then he fetched a sack of pearls that lay among the rushes, and, not saying another word, hobbled off and disappeared behind a large stone. Soon after this, it chanced that the poor widow sent her children to the town to purchase cotton, needles, ribbon, and tape. The way to the town ran over a common, on which in every direction large masses of rocks were scattered about. The children's attention was soon attracted to a big bird that hovered in the air. They remarked that, after circling slowly for some time, and gradually getting nearer to the ground, it all of a sudden pounced down amongst a mass of rock. Instantly a heart-rending cry reached their ears, and running quickly to the place, they saw with horror that the eagle had seized their former acquaintance, the dwarf, and was just about to carry him off. The kind children did not hesitate for an instant. They took a firm hold of the little man, and strove so stoutly with the eagle for possession of his contemplated prey, that, after much rough treatment on both sides, the dwarf was left in the hands of his brave little friends, and the eagle took to flight. 
As soon as the little man had in some measure recovered from his alarm, his small, squeaky, cracked voice was heard saying, Couldn't you have held me more gently? See my little coat? You have rent and damaged it in a fine manner, you clumsy, officious things. Then he picked up a sack of jewels and slipped out of sight behind a piece of rock. The maidens by this time were quite used to his ungrateful, ungracious ways, so they took no notice of it, but went on their way, made their purchases, and then were ready to return to their happy home. On their way back, suddenly, once more they ran across their dwarf friend. Upon a clear space, he had turned out his sack of jewels, so that he could count and admire them, for he had not imagined that anybody would at so late an hour be coming across the common. The setting sun was shining upon the brilliant stones, and their changing hues and sparkling rays caused the children to pause to admire them also. What are you gazing at? cried the dwarf, at the same time becoming red with rage. And what are you standing there for, making ugly faces? It is probable that he might have proceeded in the same complimentary manner, but suddenly a great growl was heard nearby them, and a big black bear joined the party. Up jumped the dwarf in extremest terror, but could not get to his hiding place. The bear was too close to him. So he cried out in very evident anguish. Dear Mr. Bear, forgive me, I pray. I will render to you all my treasure. Just see those precious stones lying there. Grant me my life. What would you do with such an insignificant little fellow? You would not notice me between your teeth. See, though, those two children. They would be delicate morsels and are as plump as partridges. I beg of you to take them, good Mr. Bear, and let me go. But the bear would not be moved by his speeches. He gave the ill-disposed creature a blow with his paw, and he lay lifeless on the ground. Meanwhile, the maidens were running away, making off for home as well as they could. But all of a sudden, they were stopped by a well-known voice that called out, Snow White, Rose Red, stay, do not fear, I will accompany you. The bear quickly came towards them, but as he reached their side, suddenly the bearskin slipped to the ground, and there before them was standing a handsome man, completely garmented in gold, who said, I am a king's son, who was enchanted by the wicked dwarf lying over there. He stole my treasure, and compelled me to roam the woods, transformed into a big bear, until his death should set me free. Therefore he has only received a well-deserved punishment. Some time afterwards, Snow White married the prince, and Rose Red his brother. They shared between them the enormous treasure which the dwarf had collected in his cave. The old mother spent many happy years with her children. This tale is a fun little slice of life that has many elements of the morals of good stories. Snow White and Rose Red were truly good little girls, and they really didn't misbehave at all in this, apart from playing too roughly with the bear. The analyst in me wants to prick apart a little bit more of the symbolism between the lamb and the dove just seemingly with them in the cottage. It kind of feels like Christian allegory, but I won't go down that path. I think something to note about this is the concept of kindness, no matter what treatment you are given. The girls and the mother were very nice and giving and generous to the bear, who upon first glance was scary and ominous. But they listened to him and gave him the benefit of the doubt, and even without turning into a prince, he showed that he was indeed kind, despite his looks. And the dwarf, he was constantly berating the girls and really kind of saying offensive things, but that didn't stop the girls from doing what was right and saving his life. I think that's a wonderful lesson that we can take from this sort of outrageous tale. The idea of empathy and to not make judgments. 
Don't just make assumptions based on someone's looks. And don't let someone else's behavior or personality dissuade you from doing the right thing. Now is the time when people are buying gifts for their loved ones and asking for donations to those less fortunate. And I think this tale kind of shows us that if we have the capabilities and the ability to help, to welcome someone in from the cold, maybe to feed them, or to save them from homelessness and poverty and even danger, I think we almost have an obligation to do that. Now, of course, I am not insinuating that you need to go outside of your scope of possibilities. This year has been troublesome for everyone, and it's very difficult to feel generous when you yourself are so concerned about having food on the table. But if you are able to give even $5 or an extra coat that you don't wear anymore, that little act of generosity could really truly help a life. And that's the thought that I want to leave you with as we close out this podcast episode. Thank you for listening. I welcome you back anytime you may need to hear a comforting voice or a familiar bedtime story. 